0: You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministry Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. You've heard that saying before, children grow up so fast. Can, can I hear all the uh, mommies and daddies say, yeah, yeah, it's true, yeah. They grow up so fast, but I never really got it until I got a kid of my own. She's growing up way too fast. She's growing up physically very too fast. And so we're actually praying that the Lord would slow her down. <laughs> we, we don't want her to take her brother's heights. Yesterday, my daughter, she climbed onto my feet, and we did a little father-daughter dance. Cue all, yeah. <clears throat> then Grace said, looking at us, she said, well, this will be in preparation for her wedding. And I... And uh, but here's the thing, you know, yeah, it's sad, but do I want my daughter to grow up and get married someday? Of course, of course. What, what father wouldn't? But there's this, there's this amazing time right now that I have with her that I know will be harder to enjoy when she gets older because right now, there's this undivided love and affection that we get from our young children because we are their heroes. Mommy knows everything and daddy can do anything. We are everything to them, right? That's just how it is. And so we lavish our affection onto our children and it's then returned, believe it or not, it's actually reciprocated, returned with a wholehearted simplicity that would make any grown man or woman just melt. They just look at you with their eyes just, you know, Just adoringly looking at you. And here's the thing. Children, they will grow up and they will start soon exercising their independence. And so as a youth pastor, I see that every day, all right? We have to start teaching them to take care of themselves and sometimes that means we need to simply stand back making sure we don't interfere while they make their mistakes and hopefully learn to fix them too. And it'll be inevitable, and it'll also be inevitable that one day they'll discover other people. And their love and affection for us won't be like how it was before. Instead, my little girl's affection and love for me will be a little bit more reserved and won't be, will be a lot less exclusive. But at the end of the day, it's okay. Because I know there will come a day where I'll miss these younger days and when I'll miss dancing with her on my feet, when I'll miss running her running to me anytime she's afraid or just happy. Now I'm not saying all this to pressure you guys into getting married and have kids or anything like that. I'm not. But because this text reminds me that God's relationship with his children is actually very similar to that of our relationship with our children. God is all powerful, all powerful. He is so infinitely great. And we are so far from his equal, and yet there's this call right now from this text for us to forever retain that special childlike quality with him, childlike faith. Now, there are definitely some parts in Scripture. When you read it, you're kind of scratching your head and taking a double glance, like what does this mean? What is this about? But then there are verses like verse 5. that are words that we simply cannot live without. If this truth from verse 5 was not in the Bible, I'll admit, I would probably resign from ministry right now because there would be no way in the world that I'd be able to do what I'm doing without God's leading and wisdom. You get that? Verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. That's our first point. Ask God for wisdom if you are lacking. Ask God for wisdom if you're lacking. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and humbly and lovingly say, you're lacking. We are. Who made a foolish decision this past week? Yeah, I think we all did. Right? We're all lacking. Why do we need wisdom? Well, we can define it with the context of this passage because James links it to the previous verses we read last week. We need wisdom so that we may be mature, right, and complete, not lacking in anything. Do you see this point? This means that many times the trials and tests that toughen our faith is a result of our lack of wisdom. Now again, just because we have wisdom doesn't mean that you'll be impervious to any trials. Remember how even the righteous receive trials and tribulations? But this wisdom that we're calling out for will help us in these times of trials. Typically, whenever bad stuff happens in our lives, Don't we ask that question, why? Why me, Lord? And then we have these follow-up questions like, so what am I supposed to do now? Or which way am I supposed to turn now? Or how will I ever handle this now? There's wisdom needed during this time. Wisdom needs to come in right now. Now, wisdom is not some new revelation that is found outside of Scripture. An angel will not come fluttering by with a little bottle of wisdom and then anoint you with it and be like, there you go, problem solved. That's not how it goes. Neither is wisdom a promise that God will make all the decisions for us. We as his people still need to do our work we still need to dig out our facts. We still need to deliberate over the alternatives. We also need to consider biblical principles. We need to factor in different outcomes or consequences of each option. And then we have to prayerfully, faithfully, wisely make these tough decisions. God, he does not take away our human responsibility. This is why There are many, many faithful, loving people, God-fearing people who still make foolish mistakes. They still make foolish mistakes, poor decisions. Just because you love God doesn't mean you're automatically exempt from all faulty decisions. We still make mistakes. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that you're saved from trials and tribulations. We need to keep praying for wisdom, keep seeking wisdom, keep striving for wisdom. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Always seek wisdom. Turn to the neighbor and say this, let's get wisdom. Let's get, let's get. <clears throat> now, for the child of God, meaning those who are in Christ Jesus, and therefore the Holy Spirit dwells in you, there is more to any kind of decision-making than just our intellect or our some of our research. Because when we cry out for wisdom, we're banking on God's promise to direct our thinking. We're banking on God's, on God to bring into our lives the right influences, to providentially guide the whole process, to open up our minds to his words as we study and to enlighten us by the power of the Holy Spirit. For many non-believers, when they see these outcomes occur in the Christian life, they'll attribute it to dumb luck. Right? They'll say, it's lucky, dude. But for the Christian that prays and seeks wisdom and applies God-given wisdom to these circumstances, it's not luck, it's God. So, how do we know what God, will do for, what God will do for us? How do we know this? How do we know that this promise is actually, in fact, a reality? Three simple facts are crammed into this one verse. One is this, because God is generous. Do you know what that word means? It can be translated to mean single. In other words, when God thinks of you, he only thinks of you. Not anyone else, no, nothing else, not about your circumstances. He thinks about you. He doesn't think with double vision or some diminished vision. Instead, God has only one thing on his mind when it comes to you. One single thing as if there's nothing else worth doing or thinking about, but to be there for you, to help you, to give to you. This one commentator put it, He concerns his concerns for us with an exclusive preoccupation, as if he had nothing else to do but to give and give and give again to you. That's what God being generous means. Another reason why God gives us wisdom is because he is God who gives, that's just what he does. He gives. He is a giving God. You probably heard of this book, and I was able to reread it recently because someone here, and I apologize for not remembering, but someone here gave it to us for the baby shower before Ada was born. The book is called The Giving Tree. Great book. Have you read it? All right. But unlike the tree that gave and gave until it really had nothing left to give, God's nature is not only to give, but he can give without any limitations. It's in God's nature to give and give and give. When we ask God for wisdom from him, he doesn't become less wise like the giving tree did. He doesn't become less. No. He becomes more in us. God is God. He alone gives. And lastly, God, he gives without finding fault in us. Now, uh, not too long ago, whenever I, ask, uh, I asked Ada, I said, Ada, do you want food? And she'll say, No but then I'll eat the food. And after seeing me eat it, what will she say? Eat. Like she wants it. And I'll rebuke her. I'll say, I asked you before. You eat when we all eat. And of course, I'll give it to her, but I'll rebuke her. I'll rebuke her. Well, God, he doesn't respond to our asking or petition and then throw insults at us for asking. He doesn't rebuke people who ask for more. He doesn't find it offensive when people ask to receive. He doesn't humiliate the receiver. He doesn't scold us because we fail to use other gifts and now lack wisdom. Remember, God's generosity is measured by who he is, not by what we deserve. You get that? He gives based on who he is, not based on what we deserve. We don't deserve anything. But he gives because that's who he is. That is his nature. He gives. This means we have to ask. If any of you lacks wisdom, we need to ask God for wisdom. Amen? Amen. It doesn't matter how bad your situation is. It doesn't matter how desperate you are. God wants you to ask. I remember many years ago when I was on the praise team and I was a praise leader. Yeah, there was a time. And my dear sister Becky was also our female vocalist at that time too. We were both younger. (laughs) And Becky, our sister Becky, was doing already a million things, like she is right now, pretty much. (laughs) Right? And she was doing so many things and... And um, and there was at that moment, I just, I didn't have the heart to ask her to do another thing. I just didn't have the heart to ask her. And then she sensed that, though. There was a disturbance in the force. And she saw that there was, I want to say something, but I was like, um, I won't. And then she looks at me and says, if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. And I remember that. Which is why I haven't stopped bothering her (laughs) since. We need to ask. It would be foolish not to. Let's seek wisdom from the only one who can actually give it. It doesn't come from worldly experience, this wisdom that I speak of. It doesn't come from intellectual gain as much as people like to think it does. True wisdom comes from God alone. True wisdom. So we need to ask God for wisdom. The second point is that God, he expects committed faith. Oh, that C word again. Aren't we, weren't we done with that from Nehemiah? Committed faith. Now from verses 6 through 8, James, he lays out a description of what God does not want. God, he doesn't want fad faith. This is where you just try Religion. Then you try that one, then you follow this guru, then you follow that one, and then another. Tomorrow I'll be attending the Southern Baptist Conference until Wednesday in Ohio. Go Cleveland, actually I really don't care. (laughs) This means I'll be yet again on a plane. It's not that I'm scared, it's just that I'm big. And planes are small, I feel like Gulliver. Well, an interesting point I've learned is that I've learned that there's a reason why airport runways are so long. Now, you guys are probably thinking, duh, Pastor David, because planes need it. Good answer. No, it's not just that. It's because it takes that much runway, not to just get airborne, but if something were to go wrong, God forbid, something were to go wrong tomorrow. But if something were to go wrong just before liftoff, there will still be enough time to get back down and stop. However, there is a point called refusal speed, where once you've passed that point during the liftoff, you're committed. And one way or another, you have to either make your plane fly or crash. No other choice but that. I think when it comes to faith commitment, many of us are kind of teetering before that refusal speed. We're scared of getting to that point of no return. It's time to stop playing games with God. If you are, it's time to give it up. God, he wants your whole heart. I've had to talk to some people in the past for keeping their significant others on the shelf. You get what I'm saying here? Because they're just waiting for something or someone better to come along. That's not right. And sadly, that's what we do with God too. That kind of faith that's mentioned here is trying to get airborne without ever actually getting above the taxiing speed. It's safe, but you'll never fly either. If you want to fly, you have to turn the engines at full speed. You got to release the brakes. You got to roll down the, hu- the runway toward the other end and hold nothing back. The only way to truly know God—and hear me out—the only way to truly know God is to go full speed ahead into Him. That is the only way. The only way to learn how to swim is to jump into the deep end, not just dabble your toe or wade in ankle deep water. This is the only way to know if God is true or not. And perhaps right now you're scared. You're scared. You don't know what's on the other end. You're scared of going all the way to that. I want to share with you a popular quote from C.S. Lewis, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. When you give your whole heart to God, it will be dangerous. It will be dangerous because you will step out of your comfort zone. It will be dangerous because you will be so stretched. It will be dangerous because you will face persecution and humiliation. You will be misunderstood. There will be divisions in your life. Friends will leave you. Family may mock you. You will be labeled and discriminated against, but you'll have God and he's good. Do not be fearful of God, but be fearful of never meeting him. This complete trust is the type of childlike faith and relationship that he wants from us. What wouldn't you do for your child? You lavish your love on them. You take their hands. You guide them carefully. You teach them. You praise them endlessly for the things and wonderful things that they do. You also think for them, too. You stay several steps ahead of them, protect them from harm, and with a single-minded devotion, you pour out your life unto them. Don't you? That's what parents do. But don't you see? That's exactly how God treats us. During the most difficult times of our life, God, he's unfazed, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what's up ahead of your life. He has great plans for all of us and is all under his control. While we may lose grip on life sometimes, he has us in his firm fatherly grip. Amen. During our times of trouble, during our times of confusion, our dear Heavenly Father simply says, if you lack wisdom, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't get it, ask me, seek me, for I am good. For I am generous, he says. I am giving, and I am full of grace. At the same time, one thing about my daughter, I realize these past sermons have been all centered around my daughter. (laughs) Sorry, I just can't stop. My daughter, who is generally pretty cautious. Maybe she got that from me. How come this girl, who's cautious, She allows me to throw her up near. How come she allows me to lift her up high onto my shoulders? How come she allows me to swing her upside down and around all the while squealing with glee? How is it possible that this little girl who usually needs just my hands just to walk up to an aquarium filled with harmless fish because she's kind of freaked out by that? How is that girl so capable of living in complete freedom and joy when I'm throwing her around? How come she's not terrified at the things I do with her because she trusts me unconditionally? Because though it may seem dangerous in and of itself, she knows that I'm her father and that I am good and that I love her more than anything else. People, does God love us any less He wants that same unconditionally committed faith from us. We must approach Him squealing with glee, with pure joy and complete trust in Him, not some halfway dabbling, timid, hypocritical faith, but with absolute childlike trust. Yes, God, I trust You because You are worthy of our trust. Never forget that God promises to give you all the wisdom you need, but he also expects from us to commit a trust of a child. After all, what has he done for us? His greatest act of love, of course, was giving up his own child, his own son, to die for you and me. I don't know if I'd be able to do that with my daughter or my future children. There is no greater act of love than this. Jesus, the Son of God, died for you and for me to make way for us to be with God. Trust and believe in his death and resurrection and you too will have the Heavenly Father all to yourself. You will have the wisdom only he can offer and you will have the life of faith that will bring you to the utmost level of intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Amen. Let's pray. So dear only Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. <clears throat> and I just pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would allow your truth to just sink in where it needs to sink in. Any type of doubt or unbelief, God, would you break that apart? Because we know the only way to really understand and know and see your truth is by and through your grace and mercy. Isn't that something that we can just read and be like, oh, this is it? No. We need you, God, to bring us to you, Father. Brothers and sisters, I want to give you guys this opportunity as you've now heard this message to seek the Lord with your childlike faith. Come before him unadulterated, purely, gleefully. Don't you want that kind of relationship with him? Complete trust, complete faith. It doesn't matter how bad the circumstances might look. It doesn't matter how bad you might feel. But knowing who he is, sure, it's dangerous. Sure, it may seem risky but we don't live our lives based on the scenarios. We live our lives based on his character, that he is good, that he is loving. So let's take this opportunity and just pray that prayer. God, I want more of you. I really want to know you beyond the superficial Christian kind of Nominalism that I've been experiencing these past weeks, months, years, perhaps, and I want to fully devote myself to you, and not just halfway. I don't want my foot outside the door, no. I want to go full speed, past the refusal speed, where there's no turning back. Okay, let's pray.